Hello, I'm Eric Cooper. Welcome to the Expert Money Podcast. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and our website, all at The Expert Money. This is a podcast where we will try to inform and educate about all things money. We want you to be wealthier, healthier, and happier. Because we live in a bananas world, here is a fun disclosure. This podcast is published and provided for information and entertainment purposes only. The info in this podcast is not investment or health advice. None of the information contained in this podcast constitutes a recommendation that any particular security portfolio securities transaction or investment strategy is suitable for any specific person. With that out of the way, let's get started. Ooh, what the financial industry does not want you to know is vast. Is there a conspiracy going on in finance? Eh, not really. But they like to keep their clients ignorant. Today, we are going to discuss five things your financial advisor does not want you to know. What do you mean? They share everything with me. I share everything with them. They are working for me. Why wouldn't they want me to know everything? Because they want you to think they're adding value. They want you to think, often via jargon, technical terms, a lot of industry babble, a lot of acronyms, a lot of fancy phrases like sharp ratio. They want you to think that they are a vital, essential part of your financial future. And without them, you'd be lost. You would just be finding Nemo. You'd be out at sea trying to figure your way in the world. It's all a bit of a myth and great marketing. So what don't they want you to know? The first thing your financial advisor does not want you to know is you can invest easily on your own for close to zero cost. So many platforms, thanks to Robinhood, are now commission-free. So you can be on Fidelity, Schwab, TD Ameritrade. Heck, you can use Robinhood. You can make trades on any platform for no fee. Now, there might be a stipulation that you need to use that platform's product, their proprietary product, but generally, all fees for commissions and trading have gone away, so the cost is very low. But not only that, you can use a low-fee product. So you can invest for less than 10 basis points, often as little as three basis points. All right, there's where the jargon comes in. What is a basis point? A basis point is just a percent of a percent, right? So 10 basis points is 0 0.0010, 10 basis points. So $100,000 portfolio with a fee of 10 basis points would cost you $100 a year. So $100,000 at 10 basis points, $100 a year, versus that same $100,000 with an advisor would cost you at least 1000 bucks a year. You can find product for as low as three basis points that are broadly diversified. So 30 bucks a year for that $100,000 invested. Why would you pay $1,000 a year 
when you could pay 30 bucks a year to get into the very similar, if not identical product. That's the first thing they don't want you to know, is you can do it on your own with maybe the purchase of a 15 or $10 book, or if you're so motivated, getting onto the internet and finding anything related to Vanguard or Jack Bogle forums. There's a Boglehead forum that is a great resource. You can go down a rabbit hole, but you can do it easily. So they think and they position themselves as adding a lot of value, but most often, very often, financial advisors don't add a lot of value. They are a rent seeker. They're taking money out of your pocket, not necessarily putting money in. You may think they're putting money in because you're getting return in the products they suggested, but you're not getting nearly as much of return as if you just did it on your own. Yes, there are a lot, there can be a lot of value that financial advisors add, but that will be in another pod. The next thing they don't want you to know is a simple two-fund portfolio. This is similar to, you can do it on your own, but a simple two-fund portfolio is super easy to set up and has great returns. Just two funds. You can build a broadly diversified portfolio with just two products. Here's an example. Again, this is not investment advice. This is just an idea. I will use Vanguard products as an example, but all State Street has them, Fidelity has them, Schwab has them. You can find them on any platform, comparable products. But if you just look for a total market equity fund, at Vanguard, that ticker symbol would be V. T-I, V-T-I. If you buy that fund, you would own 3,500 stocks just buying that one low-cost index fund that charges you about four basis points a year, maybe five, could be three. They've gotten cheaper and cheaper. It's hard to keep up with how cheap everything's gotten. So just buying V-T-I, ticker symbol, you'd hold 3,500 stocks. So that covers all the equities you would ever need to own. If you want to have a balanced portfolio, you could also buy a bond fund. If you bought the bond fund, which is a diversified intermediate bond fund, which holds mortgage backs, corporates, treasuries, etc., you can buy B and D. Just by buying that one bond fund, you'd own a piece of nearly 15,000 bonds. Right? Mind blown. That is broadly diversified and, again, cheap. You're talking about four or five basis points to own that bond fund. Really cheap. If you were a typical 40-year-old, you might have a portfolio that looks like 60% bond, excuse me, 60% stocks, 40% bonds. So that's the traditional 60-40 portfolio. Just two funds, 60-40. So 60% in VTI for equities or stocks, and then 40% in B and D for bonds or fixed income. Why do they call it fixed income? It's because it pays out a fixed amount quarterly, monthly, annually. It was often thought about for seniors or older people buying bonds that needed a fixed amount of money, so that became buying bonds was their fixed income. So bonds is synonymous with fixed income. Holding 
That 60-40 portfolio, for the last 10 years, just that portfolio of two funds has averaged about 10% a year. It's a pretty good return. With a set it and forget it mentality, you buy those, don't do anything else, 10% a year. Pretty easy to manage. Yes, there will be some volatility. In its worst year, that asset allocation during the financial crisis from March 08 to February 09 was down 27%. But if you just held that same asset allocation of those just two funds from March of 09 to February of 10, its best one year was up 35%. So yeah, there could be some volatility. And if you want less volatility, you can get shorter term bonds. You can have less equities. But if you're looking for growth, you're invested for a long term, 10 years, 20 years or more, you can do it on your own with simple, simply two funds. And you get broad diversification across asset classes. Okay, so the number two they didn't want you to know was you can do it on your own with two simple funds. Number three, the third thing that your financial advisor does not often want you to know, and some people are, but they don't want you to know that they're not a fiduciary. What's a fiduciary? A fiduciary, when you're talking about an advisor, is someone who is obligated by law to put your interest above their own. So the client comes first. Lots of people say that. But often that's not truly the case. So there are two standards in the finance industry. There's a suitability standard and a fiduciary standard. The suitability standard basically says as long as the products are mostly appropriate. What it doesn't account for in a suitability standard is they can charge you really high fees as long as they're not putting a, you know, a hundred year old lady in high risk tech stocks. By the way, tech has been the best, so maybe they're not that risky. Um, but an all equity portfolio, you can't put a hundred year old lady into hundred percent equities. That's not suitable. But if you had her in 90% bonds and 10% equities, even if those products came with very high fees, that is considered suitable. Under the suitability standard, the firm's interest comes first, then the client. As long as they're doing approximately the right thing, then it's suitable. Under the fiduciary standard, the client's interest have to come first. So yes, the products have to be suitable, but under the fiduciary standard, putting the client first means you wouldn't gouge them. You wouldn't put them in super high fee product. So a lot of registered investment advisors or advisories or RIAs, they have to adhere to the fiduciary standard. Most of Wall Street, think Merrill Lynch, Goldman Sachs, Bank of America, most publicly traded advisors adhere to the suitability standard. Now, there's a lot of regulation that has changed around that. Department of Labor has introduced and changed rules, but many advisors don't want you to know that they're not a fiduciary. So make sure your advisor is a fiduciary if you choose to work as someone. Number four, the fourth thing that your financial advisor does not want you to know is that a 1% fee 
is too high. 1% fee might be the standard industry fee, but it's a total ripoff, especially in light of the fact that I just walked you through how you could very simply manage your money by yourself, on your own. A 1% fee is eating into your returns. And sometimes it gets worse. They may charge you a 1% advisory fee, then turn around and put you in an actively managed mutual fund that's charging another 1%. So you may be paying 2% in fees. What? 2%? If you're saying my 10-year return was a gross return was, was 10% a year, if they get me up to 2%, they're taking at least 20% of my money for doing not that much work. And now, if your returns are lower, if your returns are 8%, depending on your asset allocation, they could be taking a quarter of your money. If you're a super conservative investor and you don't have enough equity exposure and you're only getting 4% gross returns and they're charging 2%, they're taking 50% of your returns. So, the fourth thing your financial advisor doesn't want you to know. 1% fee, even though it's quote unquote the industry standard, it's too high nowadays. Financial advisors can and do manage dozens, if not hundreds, of client portfolios via software, via technology. And you can generally go out and do this on your own. You can do the same thing. The tools are available. Again, you can use any platform and get exposure for, again, under five basis points, 10 basis points, so $100 a year on $100,000 invested would be 10 basis points. Not the 1% where they're charging you at least $1,000 a year, and maybe they're charging you the mutual fund fee in addition to their advisory fee, so it could be 2% a year, so $2,000 on a $100,000 portfolio per year. That's bananas. You can go do it for $100 on your own, or you can find a low-cost wealth manager who will probably do it for a few hundred dollars a year. Or you can pay a financial planner up front for one session. They can get your finances in order, talk about some product, and then you're on your way. So yeah, you might pay them that three, four, five dollars $500 for that hour session, whatever their fee might be. But then you, that's a one-time fee, then you're on your own. The fifth thing that your financial advisor doesn't want you to know is that active managers that they're pitching you is very likely to underperform their benchmark. So financial advisors will try to say, hey, look, I'm going to add value to your portfolio because I will be the manager of the managers and I can pick a good manager that will outperform the market over time because there's different strategies. Value hasn't worked, so I'm going to be a growth bias type advisor. So I can pick the right growth managers for your portfolio. I can pick the right ones. Yeah, there's a fee associated with it, but we'll outperform. All the data keeps on showing us year after year after year is active management underperforms our benchmark. Over three years, 71% underperformed their benchmark in S&P 500 fund. Over five years, 78% of active managers underperformed their benchmark, and it gets worse as the time frame goes on. And that doesn't even 
take into consideration that it's not the same managers who are outperforming year to year to year. So you have to wait three, five, or ten years to see if the manager is outperforming, but there's no persistence. It's different managers. So you'd be better off if you wanted to find an active manager who came in in the lowest decile, who was one of the worst performers of the year, because then they'll probably bounce back. If you go to a chart and try to find the manager who outperformed for a year in the top decile, was a top manager, they're probably going to underperform going forward. And that might be because they took in too much money, now it's harder to outperform with a bigger, bigger amount of funds. Or what the industry is finding out is most of the time they chalk it up to luck, even though they say it's skill. So why would you pay a high fee to an active manager to underperform the market. So just buy passive management, passively manage index funds that tracks the market, that tracks a benchmark, and get your fair share of the market. Was this overly harsh? Maybe, but I want you to save and invest for your future to have the most money so you can live the life you want. You, don't, you shouldn't have to want to think about your money. You should have a minimalist approach. Save as much as you can. Pick an asset allocation with a couple of products that makes sense for you. You can adjust that over time as your risk tolerance changes, as your age changes, as your goals in life change. Your risk tolerance will change. So that, that's where a financial advisor might be able to add some value, is really assessing your risk tolerance. And look, if you want to pay someone, people pay for a lot of luxuries. You don't necessarily need to, though. Having worked in the space for 20 years, I do think there is value to a financial advisor, but you need to make sure they're being upfront and truthful for you. In summary, the five things they don't want you to know. They don't want you to know you can do it on your own. They don't want you to know that you can do it with just a two-fund portfolio. They don't want you to know that they're not a fiduciary. They don't want you to know 1% fee is too much, even though it's industry standard. And they don't want you to know that the active manager they're pitching is very likely to underperform. I know that was a lot. If you have questions, you can find us on the internet. on Twitter, on Instagram, at our website, Be Expert Money. Let us know what you need us to discuss next. We'll see you next time.